This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. Ontario hospitals are on the brink of a crisis. This latest warning is from the Ontario Hospital Association as it prepares to go down to Queen's Park tomorrow to ask for more money. They want a 4.5% increase in operating funding for 2018-19, and that amounts to an extra $815 million, which would bring their total operating budget for the year to about uh, $19 billion, 18.8 to be a little more exact. Now, this is the third week in a row that we've seen numbers relating to this overcrowding problem. First, we saw stats that showed a big increase in wait times for emergency patients who have to be admitted. In other words, that is what we're talking about when we talk about so-called hallway medicine. And those people, many of them frail and elderly, have to wait something like about 36 hours, which is completely unacceptable. Last week, we saw wait times broken down by province and by procedure. And uh, while Ontario has the lowest wait times in the country, if you look at it by procedure, you're going to have to be waiting about 42 weeks for something like a hip or a knee replacement. And some of those waits are because of operating room time. So, first of all, of course, we want to hear from you if you have had Uh, an experience or perhaps a loved one with the crisis in a hospital. We know that Brampton has a particularly bad situation. The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. And right now, let's go to the progressive conservative health critic, MPP Jeff Urich from Elgin, Middlesex. Hello there. Uh, good afternoon. How are you? Fine. How are you? Great, thanks. Well, is, is there any surprise in this? No, there, there isn't a surprise. It's uh, come from the last uh, uh, 10 years of rationing our health care system that we've, uh, we've reached this point. And uh, uh, unfortunately, it's going to take more than the, uh, the uh, increase in budget for the hospitals to fix the situation. Okay. Uh, if you were in power, would you give them the extra money? Uh, we'd have to uh, be funding the uh, the hospitals uh, properly so they're able to deliver their services. But we also, in conjunction, uh, would have to look at uh, reducing the amount of alternative living uh, beds in our hospitals. There's over 4,800 people in our, pro- uh, in our hospitals who uh, are stuck. They can't go home. There's not enough care for them, and there's no beds in our long-term care. So we have to deal with that issue. And we have to rebuild our community services uh, to, uh, in order that we can get people back at home uh, looking after themselves. So it's a, it's a combination uh, that this government has to act on. And, and unfortunately, they, they froze hospital funding for four or five years uh, this past decade. Uh, they didn't build any new long-term care beds, so the ALC patients are through the roof. And uh, our community care sector has fallen apart. 
I, I just want to uh, refresh our listeners' memory uh, on that issue because that's a bit big issue. ALC is alternative level of care, and as Jeff has just told us, those are people who do not need to be in the hospital where care is extremely expensive. They don't need to be there, but they have nowhere to go. Most of them are frail and elderly. And that is the problem. And that is also what causes a lot of this hallway medicine. Uh, Now, uh, the Liberals have promised to fix that. They've added some extra interim beds, and they even promised that some of those would come on stream by the end of the year. Uh, Jeff, uh, did they promise enough? And have, have you seen that anything is actually on stream now? I haven't seen anything on stream yet. Uh, they're really late in acting. Uh, uh, if you look back in the summer, a uh, majority of our hospitals were over capacity, and that's the slow time of the year. We're heading into flu season, uh, cough and cold season, where uh, people are going to be going into our hospitals, especially the elderly and the frail, who are probably going to have to be hospitalized if they do come down with the flu. Um, you know, uh, as the Auditor General pointed out uh, in our last report, uh, there's uh, over 4,500 people waiting to get out of the hospital that shouldn't be there. They're, they're not, uh, their condition has improved enough that uh, they could be home or they could be in a long-term care home. Uh, but this government has failed to act on those other two items, and unfortunately they're stuck in the hospital, which is causing this backlog, which is causing people to be treated in our hallways or in our janitor closets, wherever the hospital can find space for them. Okay. Uh, I'd like to throw it out there again, because I'd like to hear from our listeners uh, if they've had an experience of this. Uh, the numbers to call, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. Um, uh, and I'd also like to hear if you've had any experience of uh, you know someone or you yourself stuck in a hospital with very expensive care uh, while uh, other people presumably are waiting to get into that hospital bed. The number's again 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. I am talking to MPP Jeff Urich, who is the PC health critic. Um, so um, th- this is a cumulative problem, Jeff, as you say, uh, as a result of what the policies were for years and years. So um, how would your government fix it and how long should it take to fix it? Well, we are going to, we've came up with the, the People's Guarantee a couple weeks ago, which spells out a number of, of points that uh, we're going to take forward and and trying to ease the uh, uh, hallway medicine um, points uh, uh, focused on on reducing those uh, wait times and and reduce and eliminating hallway medicine. Our uh, 1.9 billion dollar investment in mental health that's going to match the federal government's investment uh, is going to uh, go back into building up community support services. Right now, if uh, children's mental health uh, services in our communities have had uh, zero base funding increase for the last 10 years. Uh, and demand has really grown, and uh, they're unable to support those children. And what you see is an increase at the emergency departments, where a report came out last May uh, that 63% increase in the amount of youth uh, and children seeking uh, mental health help at our ERs. Uh, We're also uh, planning to build 15,000 new long-term care beds in the next five years so that uh, we can start alleviating the uh, uh, ALC bed problem. And and we're going to redirect and redeploy 
our, our healthcare dollars that are in our our uh, community uh, care access center, our lens away from the bureaucracy, which has grown immensely over the last decade, and, and uh, put that money back to the frontline workers so people have more access to PSWs and RNs and RPNs so that they can leave the hospital and be at home and be looked after. Okay, uh, let's go to the phones. We've got Steve in Toronto. Hello, Steve. Hi, how are you? Fine, how are you? I'm okay. I just came out of the hospital actually yesterday. Okay, are you all right? Yeah, I'm okay. I had a what turned out to be a major infection, and I uh, ended up at uh, I don't know. Do I can I tell you all this or sure? Yep. Uh, on Saturday, I had uh, I had surgery a couple of weeks ago, and then there was a major infection uh, oh, about two weeks afterwards. Uh, it was uh, surgery on my hand, and I ended up uh, going to the emergency at uh, Toronto Western. Mm-hmm. They didn't have a bed for me. They needed to keep me overnight to give me intravenous uh, antibiotics. So they had me sitting in emergency till like 11 p.m. till I started asking them, like, if you don't have a bed, send me home. Like, there's no point in being here for six hours waiting um, for a bed or to be looked after. They said, oh, they'll have something, they'll have something. They didn't have anything. So they put me in one of the examination rooms on a stretcher, and I sat there all night waiting for a bed till like almost one in the afternoon the following day. Wow. When they finally got a bed for me, uh, at which point uh, uh, they looked after me. But again, uh, I got no sleep that night. Uh, emergency room is very busy. Everybody's outside talking. Um, uh, there's no actual privacy or anything like that. So you're just sitting there on a stretcher waiting for a room. That's how bad it got. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what's happening with this uh, city or with this province. It, it's just it's crazy out there, and uh, I don't wish this on anybody. Uh, Steve, thanks for sharing your story. I'm uh, going to let Jeff respond to that. Thank you, Steve. Yeah, thanks. I, thanks, Steve, very much for your comments. Uh, I, I think that's indicative of this uh, Liberal government's management of the healthcare system over the last 14 years. We've seen so much money wasted on failed experiments that could have been going to direct patient care, which has caused them to ration the healthcare system. Freezing funding in our hospital system for four years has uh, had uh, terrible effects on our healthcare system with, in addition to uh, how the community care system has uh, fallen apart with the growth of the bureaucracy. Uh, unfortunately, he's not the only case, and it's happening not only in Toronto and the GTA, but across the province, uh, especially in uh, rural and northern Ontario. It's uh, it's a uh, endemic effect uh, across the whole province, and uh, we need better managers of our health care system. Okay, uh, let's go to Margaret in Kitchener. Hello, Margaret. Oh, hello. Um, it's very brief. Um, I, I, I need knee replacements. I know I do because I can't walk on that leg, and it's been like that for three years now. Oh, my goodness. I won't go to the hospital. I won't go to the doctor because they'll just put me on a waiting list, shove me here, shove me there, and make me worse. So I'm wondering how many others are like me that they, what's the sense of going? You're just, well, just Margaret, going to make you suffer more. if it's been three years, I mean, it, it, it takes a long time, but it doesn't take three years. If you had gone to the doctor and got on the waiting list. You... I, do, I will not go on a waiting list. If that's the way our system is, then I'd rather die at home. Oh, dear. Well, I've had so much bad things with doctors they've done so many wrong things to me you would not believe it oh i'm sorry to hear that for me to tell you about it but you need a doctor to do a knee replacement you can't do it yourself that's right 
That's right. So I'm hoping it's maybe it's just the ligaments. They might tighten up. I don't know. But I sometimes I crawl. Um, but I have no use for the doctors. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, um, sorry to hear that. Thanks for your call. I'm sorry to hear it, too, I, I, that I feel that way. Okay. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Let's go to Al in Brantford. Hello, Al. Yeah, I got a question for your guest, Libby. Go ahead. Are the hospitals still being paid by the room? If they had 100 rooms, are they paid whether they use them or not? Does OHIP still do that? Uh, they're paid by uh, a global budget in addition to the uh, procedures they perform. Now, uh, what happens is this, this government has increased the number of spaces available, and what they do is then they've uh, opened up some more funding to open up more beds. However, because, uh, what has to happen next is they have to hire staff in order to fill that. So it's not a process that can be fixed overnight. Um, well, when, when Mike Harris came along, if you remember back, he was after that point because there were hospitals in the GTA area, and you likely know about them too, that had beds that were never near. They were never touched. The floors were completely empty, but the hospital administration was still collecting, or always did collect from the government by the bed. And then, then on top of that, they collected for whatever services they provided. Now, I myself am mentioning this because I was in a hospital two weeks ago, and there was one whole floor, one, pardon me, not one whole floor, one whole wing. There was nothing except hospital beds and stuff shoved down. There must have been, I don't know, 50 beds down there, 50 rooms, I mean. That's why I was wondering, are they still being paid, or are they only paid for the service they provide? It, it's still a combination in the middle of changing, but you're correct. There are a lot of empty spaces in our, in our hospitals that uh, uh, can be better utilized. They have to have the uh, proper funding in place uh, and accountability uh, for these hospitals to uh, spend the money judiciously. Um, is it a lack of staff? Is, is that the creator? The, the LINs are supposed to be the people uh, overseeing the accountability of these hospitals. Um, the Auditor General was to do a review to see if they're doing their role. Uh, however, the government changed the rules on how LINs and CCACs act and that uh, ruined that, uh, that possibility to be the Auditor General reviewing if the LINs are actually uh, following through on their accountability. But that's the role of the LINs. And, uh, the uh, PC party forms government in six months will ensure that that accountability is uh, put in place and ensure that our do dollars are spent correctly in our in our hospitals. Well, I'll tell um, you, if you, guys, if you guys get in this time, we are going to hold your feet to the fire. I hope so. I think you should do that for anybody that gets elected. I, well, I, I, I think everyone should be in for sure. Yep. Okay, Al, thanks for your yep. call. Um, I have a, a question around uh, the business of the operating time and operating rooms because um, on the one hand, we have uh, uh, sometimes we have a shortage of specialists, but sometimes they just can't get access to operating rooms enough, and that's because of the hospital budgets, Jeff. Right. So, yeah. Uh, what What's happened is this government hasn't uh, uh, budgeted appropriately for the increased demand for certain elective surgeries we're having, and I'd I'd focus on uh, knee and hip surgeries, and, and down in my area, in, in the London area. Uh, you'll find that uh, come uh, January, uh, you'll see most of the uh, knee and hip surgeries canceled or, or the room shut down because they've run out of budget and, and there wouldn't be any new surgeries until April when the new budget year starts. And all that does is compound the wait list uh, for people needing to get these treatments done. Uh, the, the government has to be flexible in, in meeting the changing demands in the healthcare sector, and, and they, they, they have not been doing so. Okay, uh, let's hear from Barbara in Hamilton. Hello, Barbara. Hello, how are you, Lippy? Fine, how are you? Well, I'm getting better. Good. Again. I just was discharged from the hospital a couple of days ago, 
and um, I ended up in an emergency. And uh, the thing is, I called it where I stayed for about three or four days. I started off in an emergency ward, and I ended up, had ended up, that I was diagnosed with broken bones in my hip. So then they had no room, of course, which I understood. So they, I called it a holding cell where I was put for a couple of days. There was no call bells. It was. It looked like a hallway to me, and probably about 14 beds that I could see. Whether there was more, I don't know. But all these patients were waiting there, and the, I have to say the doctors were very kind. They came in. There were no call bells, no way of me, and I couldn't move. And um, the doctor did come in and. He said, look, you're not going to be here forever. And I said, I hope not. But anyway, um, then when I come home from, I was being discharged, and I didn't feel I was ready when they told me I was going to be discharged, but they had planned it ahead, and um, that was fine. I ended up, I said, I'm just going to have to work harder with my therapy and make sure I can get out the door and into my house. And I told them, I have to get up five steps to get into my house. So that was my main concern. Anyway, when I was leaving the hospital, uh, they didn't have a doctor on that floor. It was a nurse practitioner. And she comes in to me and she says, you are not going to hold us hostage. And I thought, where is this coming from? I'm going home, as you said. I will make myself go home. And I worked hard over the weekend and everything to make myself as strong as I could be. Pain or no pain, I tried to ignore it. I was on pain medication. And then I said to her, she gave me the list of medications I was going home on. And I said, but I have nothing for pain here. I said, I need something for pain or I'm going to fall and end up back in here again. And she says, you have no pain. And I thought, why was I on all this pain medication? And that was what was helping me to get through the therapy. Barbara, I'm, I'm very sorry to hear that. We're going to let uh, Jeff respond to that. I'm sorry that was your experience. Uh, glad that you're home and you seem to be on the mend. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry to hear that story. I mean, uh, our hospitals and our healthcare system have amazing uh, doctors and nurses. Yep, they working. do their best in a, in a tough situation, <laughs> with most the situation of them. they're given, but you can just see how uh, the hallway medicine, uh, there's no call bell, she's with other patients, there's no privacy, and there's probably an increased chance of uh, of infection, which is what you would, the last thing you want to get when you're going into a hospital is pick up one of the uh, super bugs that, uh, that are present. Um, you know, uh, this is just another example of, of how uh, the mismanagement is, is affecting everyday Ontarians in this province. And, um, you know, unless we have a change uh, uh, from this government really quickly in the next few months or a change of government by uh, another party, uh, we're going to get same, more of the same from uh, the people that are currently there. Okay. Um, we are running out of time on this segment. I'm, I'm Okay, we'll try to take a very quick call from Joan in Oshawa. Hello, Joan. Hello, Libby. How are you, and how is your guest? Uh, uh, everybody's fine. Uh, Great. Quickly, okay, please. I just want to say 
that we've got to do something because the nurses have been cut back. It's absolutely horrendous. And the, the beds were, were cut back. And um, this government doesn't give two hoots about the nurses or the, uh, the, the patients. It's absolutely ludicrous. And the other thing I want to say is uh, people stop going to the emergencies for a cut thumb or a cold or something else because that delays treatment for the people who really need it in the emergency department. I was there until 20 minutes after 2 in the morning from 7 o'clock at night Mm -hmm. waiting to see a, a, a physician. And uh, they were just run ragged. There was only uh, two doctors on and about, I think, uh, two nurses. That's all. And that's very, very difficult for four people to handle, you know, a whole bunch of people that are sitting in the waiting room. And some of it was unnecessary because there were some that were sneezing. Uh, there was a fella in there, and he had uh, a cut on the, uh, the inside of one thumb. And that good grief, you can take care of that at home. Uh, well, I, I, I guess that's partly a matter of opinion, what you can take care of at home. But, Joan, uh, we hear you. Thanks for your call. You're very, very welcome. You have a great day. Okay, thank you. Okay. Um, let's go to Diane in Dunville. Hi, Diane. Hi there. Uh, happy Hanukkah, and uh, I'll get on with it. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Anyway, I, I want to uh, uh, say that uh, if this was children's aid and you had a child and you didn't take care of it, you'd be charged with criminal neglect. So, you know, these uh, this this is a business they're running with our money, and, you know, they're, the same rules that apply to any other business applies to them or any other agency. So let's hope that, um, it, you know, you you can't expect these wonderful people to do their job if they haven't got the tools to do it. Um, you know, we can divert money to the, this this situation. There's a lot of frivolous places money goes to, and uh, this is ridiculous. Anyway, God bless. Okay, thank you for that. Uh, no problem. Okay. <laughs> Take care. Thank Bye-bye. Um, so uh, my question to you, Jeff, uh, I know, uh, you know, is money the answer for this problem because you know i have a sense that you can throw a lot more money at this problem without solving it yeah it, it's it's a piece of the solution it's not the entire solution uh, i think what's also missing in our healthcare system is uh, uh this government has stopped working and consulting with uh, our, our our family doctors our specialists uh, for the last three years, they've uh, been in turmoil. They're they're in the middle of negotiations, which is probably going to lead to arbitration. I don't think you can work to fix a system if you've uh, uh, lost the respect of healthcare professionals. I think this government has done so, and uh, you know we we've put forward a plan under Patrick Brown, the People's Guarantee, uh, that has a, a new path to take to uh, working with our healthcare professionals and and trying to alleviate the ration system that this government has created. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, again, what would your what would you do first if you got into power? Uh, well, we'd uh, probably start on on page one of our people's guarantee, and that's looking at uh, uh, fixing the uh, supports in the system and ensuring our hospitals have the have the proper funding to uh, uh, continue going and ensure that our investments in uh, mental health and long term care uh, start e- immediately, so that we can release the the uh, burden on our ER system and then. Uh, uh, create uh, another positive, respectful relationship with our healthcare professionals, and and work with them to fix the system. That's 
that's the starting point right there. Okay, uh, let's take one more call from Diane. Hello? Is this Diane? I'm not sure we have the name right. Hello? Hello? Yes, you're on the air. Go ahead. Oh, my name is Vernon. I Sorry. didn't even get introduced there on the uh, operator. I just want to know, and this is an awful thing, but if Kathleen Wynne or her partner or any of her family needed medical assistance, had to wait in the waiting room, how fast would they get help? Anyways, that's my question. Um, <laughs> do you want to take that one, Jeff? <laughs> well, you know, you you would uh, hope they wouldn't be treated any differently, but um, uh, the point is is that uh, uh, this government's out of touch with the experiences of front of, of people and patients in Ontario's healthcare system, and um, we need a change to ensure that people that are there understand the system and 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 uh, can respect those that are uh, working it and also those that are experiencing it. Okay. All right, Jeff, what would you like to leave us with? Well, I, you know, I thank you for the opportunity and thank you for those that called. And, uh, you know, we, we're dealing with a rationed health care system and uh, there's multiple fixes, including ensuring our hospitals are fully funded and uh, ensuring there's investment in long-term care and ensuring that the money is uh, not being spent in the bureaucracy of our community organizations and it's redirected to frontline care. And I think uh, the People's Guarantee under Patrick Brown has a path to ensuring that that occurs. Okay. Thank you so much for that. Thank you. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.